The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. There's semi-trailers, there's semi-rudradras, and now the Super Rugby Pacific semi-finals have been locked down for 2023. We've got the four best teams left in what will be two cracking semi-finals ahead of us this weekend. Your place for the biggest discussion around those and all rugby matters is the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate great to have kiwi scribe paul cully back on the pod last week another episode straight into our top 25 most listened to over the course of our 18 months or so in the studios but paul's episode entering the top 25 is significant because it leaves us just four episodes from 2022 in there one of those being michael checker and two of them being the melbourne and cardiff incident reacts and it's the first instance of a 2023 episode being knocked out uh, by another episode this year and that's going to be the case while ever our wonderful audience keeps growing and joining me this and every week the man who spent the weekend paying far too much attention to the sock height of super rugby players harry jones hello amigo how's it friends yes it's true i'm unsolving mysteries uh on the bridge to matamoras um, I want to just put a little a shout out for this uh, my series about positions because I think mm-hmm. it fits here. You know, I've been writing about how the d- different rugby players are like other people, like a monk, yes. a mastiff, a tower, a bank robber, a bear, a, a bouncer, frontman, jockey, a frontman. <laughs> in your famous frontman impression. And then now this week, I just want to drop a little bit of a hint that we're talking about mm-hmm. the brutal ballet of rugby, and it's called Barishnikov with a Kalashnikov. Uh, that's that's going to be the 13, the outside center, the outside man, the man who has to do more backtracking than a TMO. <laughs> uh, and your reasons for being in Mexico while you're putting this together will become apparent at some point over the in the near future. Uh, heroes and zeros, mate. I'm going to kick us off with Canberra's favorite mascot horse, Brumby Jack, who... <laughs> was picked up uh, on the nine and, and stand sport cameras on Saturday night, greeting the Hurricanes to Canberra Stadium by just standing silently outside their dressing room door, only about a foot outside their dressing room door, arms folded and just waiting. <laughs> and, if you, and if you haven't seen the image of it, um, check, out, check out my Twitter at BMC Sport. You'll see it there. It's just a, a great image. And I'm told that, He's actually been doing that all season. I obviously don't see it when the teams come out, but apparently he's been doing this all year. This is this is his thing. And someone on um, one of the followers on Twitter said that not all heroes wear capes, and I actually read that initially as not all horses wear capes, <laughs> which still works. <laughs> so, do you actually know Brumby Jack? I mean, do you know the person behind? Uh, I don't. No, I don't. I know mm-hmm. someone who has done it, but I don't know who it is full time. How tall is Brumby Jack? Uh, on the outside, quite tall, about eight feet tall. On the yeah, inside, looked, less than that. It looks scary. Like if you weren't ready for that and you came around that corner, you might be startled. Yeah. yeah. Excellent work. Yeah, that's that's very, very good work. I'm, I'm here for that. Hit me with a zero. Who you got? I had trouble with zeros this week. There were quite a few. Um, but I think yeah. I know it's not it's not the people who are thinking of supplying uh, someone who lost a cat, Mongo the cat. Mongo the cat is a uh, a cat that lives in my town that went disappeared, and the people who own the cat are offering three thousand five hundred US dollars for the return. And I heard some people trying to find a cat who looked like Mongo the cat, and I think that's terrible. There's zero. <laughs> like training Bongo the cat to be whoever Bongo was. That's horrible. So stop yeah. it. Uh, no, I yeah. think it was... Um, that was 12. you, wasn't it? That was you. <laughs> I think it's the makeshift 12 that the Hurricanes had and the All Blacks mm. are trying to do with their makeshift 13. So that actually it's a hockey enforcer running into uh, a ballet dancer. Um, but Jordy Barrett was going at the try line and he had Sullivan to his right clapping, Unmarked, clearing out space, looking five big. Five metres of air in front of him. Could have fallen down, tumbled, rolled, and still scored. Uh, and Jordy decided with his raccoon head, I'm going to run through these two guys. I don't know that the guy who came from the side really cleaned him out pretty yeah. well. But the- still, just any tip, any offload, any bumble. He could have dropped the ball. And 
and Sullivan would have picked it up and run in like, you mm. know, I think yeah. that is, that's why all the other stuff about uh, the other, the other incident about already survey, it doesn't really matter in some ways if you are the hurricanes, because you look at yourself and say, all he had to do was look to his right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. And, and Harry's popped that picture up on his Twitter as well. If you've not seen it is a, I mean, there's yawning gaps and then there's that pass that wasn't thrown. It's, it was just, yeah, it was massive. It was absolutely massive. Let's uh, let's get on to this week's guests. And, and following Paul Cully last week, it is another welcome return to the pod for one of our favourites from last season. And just as the 2023 season cranks it up a couple of years. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We're back in the pod's Brisbane studios this week, where it is a very warm welcome back onto the Raw Rugby Podcast for the first time in 2023 to the now former senior rugby correspondent for the City Morning Herald, the wonderful Georgina Robinson. Hello, welcome back. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Well, we just wanted to get you back on before you completely forgot about rugby, <laughs> while it's still somewhat fresh. It was it was in my in my veins before the Herald, and it will always be in my veins. This Good game. To hear. Good to hear. You um you are now a couple of weeks post your bombshell news that you've finished up as with the Herald and finished up with sports journalism. Bombshell. Yeah, bombshell. How is life on the outside? It's different. It's yeah. um it's different. It's it's really good. I um I would call it I don't know what's the I would call it a a transition out of it because I'm doing things like this with you guys. Mm. Um you are gracious enough to still value my <laughs> contribution. <laughs> uh and and I also I mean I did a rugby lunch with Eddie Jones uh last week so oh, very I interviewed him for the Monte San Angelo annual bursary lunch. So I can, I'm still dipping my toes in every now and then. So I would call it a, a slow transition out. Yeah, no, you're, which do, is you're doing it. You're doing it the right way, though. You're 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 consuming rugby the way you want to consume it now, and you're not looking for the news angle. So it's there's there's a joy in that. There is a joy in that, and hopefully at some point there'll be a joy in asking pe people for tickets, which I have not allowed <laughs> myself to do in eleven years. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, can confirm that is good fun. That is good fun. Uh, the first week we still ask every week simply what stood out for you on the weekend? What did you see? What did you love? What did you not like so much? Nothing original from me. I'm sorry. It's the it's the Brumbies quarterfinal. Yeah. It's the Luke Reimer show, the Artie Savia post-match tears, you know, as if he wasn't as if he wasn't compelling enough as a, <laughs> as, a, as a rugby figure that he's also wears his heart on his sleeve and isn't too isn't too macho to let the world see him emote on, <laughs> on live television. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful bit of theatre, the actual footy, the post-match mm -hmm. interviews. Um, that's, that's as good as it gets in finals footy for me, the controversy and the fallout. Mm, the fallout, which is still Although, going. Oh, God. And, you know, um, until about a month ago, I absolutely traded off the fallout and benefited from it and wrote yeah. from it. But it's Stoked once it. you're out, once you're out, it's. Yeah, it's like, mild, come on. Mild, it's mildly interminable, Harry. Yeah. yeah. And, now you're, and now you're probably training guys to have that kind of genuine, sincere, emotional uh, theatre yeah. that Artie Sylvia has when they go out to apologise. Nigel Farage, please go out and apologise. Of the <laughs> reputation of the cricket team. Yeah. Oh, what a tell me, oh. tell me, you'll never. Nigel Farage that. besmirched his own reputation if it, yeah. if it could uh, be further, further than it was already. Yeah, yeah. Can you, what can did you, you, uh, can you reveal you if Eddie Jones? Sorry, can you reveal if Eddie Jones is a client, Georgina? I just wondered if you maybe were trying to reveal <laughs> something there. No. Okay. No, Eddie Jones is not a client. As if <sighs> Eddie Jones. As if Eddie Jones needs help. Eddie Jones has, um, he's been systematically hitting every club, junior club and school and corporate rugby lunch. Smart. That he can possibly fit in his schedule. And I think the narrative has been the same. People go to those lunches with an idea of who Eddie Jones is and a preparedness, a readiness to not like him. And they come out all in. 
on the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Try yeah. not to let this guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's hard not to. He's hard. I, I don't know about like, but he's hard not to respect. Yeah. And he, it's hard once you've sat through a couple of those lunches, and I've probably sat through a few of those kind of. So I've heard a couple of his stories before, but it's hard not to respect his candor. Mm. And yeah. and it's a candor that not a lot of people in his position are have the confidence to give mm. or to betray because um you know it takes it takes a, a career and a man of that experience um to to feel confident enough to actually let an audience a closed audience you know with Chatham House rules um but an audience nevertheless to give them that kind of uh openness and frankness and mm. I haven't seen a lot of coaches or rugby or sports figures do it so who are still employed you know candor's easy after the fact but but yeah. while you're in it um so I think I think People don't expect that. People haven't expected it. He's kind of come the man, the myth, the le legend with um, either a terrible reputation or a great reputation. And um, as a caricature, I mean, he's really turned into a bit of a caricature. Um, mm. So when you actually when you actually hear him on stage uh, talking about things like his stroke, his faith, his sisters, his mother, um, the players he's coached, the losses that hurt him most, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, it's it's powerful and it's his greatest asset, especially before before a ball has been kicked in anger. I might add. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a really good point. It sounds to me, Harry, like he would make a very good podcast guest. <laughs> and also, it sounds like he's definitely Georgina's client. I don't care what. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I could. I could see. I. I saw those little. Um, uh, spew face emojis or the green face emojis kind of like float up from your keyboard and your screen while you were listening to me wax lyrical about it. It's all good, play. We all make, we're all making a buck. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, what for me you, this, this weekend, it was uh, all about uh, either pod alumni or people that we've named on the pod. I mean, Tight Pants Wilson was a machine. It was good. We had, this, we had the squirter from, North South, uh, from New South Wales. <laughs> Shenanigan Hannigan running free, one-handed <laughs> grab, and then he actually scored a try as he described he might want to score a try for the Wallabies. It was he like did. That. Running uh, away, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then we had uh, the, the 1950s prefect, Scott Barrett, pounding people, just looking like he was right. so wrong. Uh, and then we had the human rights activist with leg drive at the end crying. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it was hard to pick out one moment. I would say it was the... The idea that that's such a big match was happening. The Brumbies uh, Hurricanes was the biggest match of the year yeah. in the comp. It was a real match. It went everything you wanted. I think you had said before there might be a million tries. There kind of yes. was. Yeah. There was probably there was eight or nine. We don't know. But uh, I, yeah. I said uh, I said on radio we've had seventy points in seventy two minutes. What, yeah, what are we going to get in the last ten? And it turned out we got no more points in the last ten, but yeah. we got plenty more. From a from a rugby drama point of view, it was yeah, it was. Are you are you are you coming down yet from euphoria? I must have just been mind blowing. <laughs> I did uh, I, I did a chat on Sunday morning with uh, Jason Pine on News Talk ZB in New Zealand, and Pine and I have been talking about Brumbies Hurricanes games for the best part of a decade, and he. He just starts off saying, "How's your day going, mate?" And I went, "Pretty good, pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. It was it was very enjoyable. I I went to sorry, Georgina. Oh, it's not a pure joy though, is it, Brett? If we could just drill a little deeper, uh, it's 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 not the pure joy of an emphatic win. You know, there's an acknowledgement oh, that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but sometimes the close wins are even better than the bigger wins, aren't they? Something. Oh, I don't know. No, but this is close with contention yeah. and controversy. The yeah, hand of God and drama <laughs> and um, and nerves and and we'll and we'll get we will get onto this. We will get onto this in a minute. Yeah, sorry. I, I went. Um, I, I went. I actually went to the Queensland blueprint that uh, has been laid down for the Brumbies on how to potentially beat the Chiefs. The the Reds they kicked twice as much as they did throughout the season. 
They mm. defended like terriers, um, and they even managed to create opportunities that Siliasi Vunivalu could finish. And they <laughs> played. I mean, if their if their win over the Chiefs a month ago was the game of the year, then this is a very close second. That that they. It's not, I won't say it was one of those games if it was five minutes longer they would have won it because I still don't know if that's that's the case. But they did everything they could but win that game. And I've got no doubt at all the Brumbies have already pulled that apart uh, to work out the blueprint for this weekend because it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating way to see how those two teams play in Hamilton. And we'll get onto that as well because the unavoidable topic of the weekend is simply to ask you both... Try or no try? Well, it would have been uh, it would have been a nice question for the referee to ask as well. Try or no try? <laughs> well, potentially, yeah, and, and that that is there. That is there. If 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 the referees and the ARs can't actually reach an on field decision one way or the other, they can throw it upstairs and and simply ask for him to provide the information that they need to be able to make a decision as a team of four. But Nick Berry clearly saw a hand under a ball. So he had evidence. He yeah, but that's, but, but that's where we get into common sense. Like there are a lot of mm. motions in rugby where people are scoring where a hand comes under and then it's not. And it has to only be for one instant that the ball touches, whereas mm. the hand has to be there forever. And so when you wonder, could Artie Surveyor do what he did with his body, his drive, get over the line, and then Luke was always magically attached with a hand big enough to, to shield it from touching a blade, and usually they take a longer time to dis- discern that, and it seemed like a rush job. And I think I said at the time I'm unpersuaded because I don't think the TMO had enough time to do whatever he says he did in that time. Luke said it was his left hand, so I had that you know clue. I go, I don't think your left hand was under it all the time. And I think Artie's right; he scored, and then later, you know, two mm-hmm. seconds later, it looked like it was under. And I I just would say for the neutral fan, I felt like it was strangely quick. And they could have – it's the end of the game. Come on. Everyone yeah. calm down and just let's do the freeze frame. And looking at that, I thought, oh, the French are going to – they're going to learn from this. Oh, <laughs> or even my box. They're going to just yeah. fly the zone with big bodies and you'll never see a try scored ever. Yeah, yeah. It was – I mean, part of that, Georgina, was that at the start of the year they said they were going to try and take less time for TMO decisions, weren't they? They were going to try and speed things yeah. up a bit. So that's the process working, I suppose. It is, but I kind of agree and I'd take it even one step back up into the bigger picture of uh, what you inst- what we instinctively want to reward. Um, and, I, and, look, it works both ways, but in the first instance, and you talk about the blade of, the blade of grass and, and the ball, it's over the line. Mm. It's right down there. You know, like the neutral fan in me is like, that's a try. Mm. Um, but I, but I also, def- and but look, I also it goes the other way. And if there is a hand, it's possible that a hand under it stopped the try from being scored. I'd also say that Nick Berry called no try and felt certain enough to say, "Yeah, my on-field decision is yep. my try." Yep. Um, and and so then conversely, thinking about that, if it goes up as try. Is there enough in that in those vision and in that vision in those angles to overrule that? Because I don't think there is. No, I don't no. think there is. But no. I would have think, but I would have thought that was unfair too if he didn't see it. And you know, so Barry was um, on the other side of the poles when Jordy Barrett was was screwing the pooch. Then he comes around mm. and he has to work a lot. I mean, Barry, to his credit, has to work really quickly to get around all to the way. There, yeah. But he yeah. finds he works himself into the worst position. Where he's behind four or five hurricane big guys, and so he's he's completely shielded. And for me, then it's try or no try because he sees the aftermath of it, but he doesn't see the the machinations. And like yes. I said, you know, Luke has to have a hand there all the time at every single moment in time, every split second. It has to be hand, 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 hand. I I mean, I've never seen that happen to Artie Savea. So part of me is just like, as a ref, I go just like you don't see the guy scoring when he's twenty mm. meters ahead of you. And there's a guy draped over him and he runs into the flag. You don't know. So you say try or mm. try. And so um, I don't know if we should ever say we only score a try if we see it because mole tries, a lot of times you don't see the ball ever. You just mm. see a bunch of bodies. And then you have to say, eh, 
I don't see yeah. any other reason. So then I, I just the, wonder about how the, I'm not faulting Barry. I'm saying no. he's getting instructions from on high too. Yeah. Oh, I, but I, you know, in on, on to, as a counterpoint, I'd say he's a hugely experienced referee. He's a yeah. test referee. So um, I think if the instinct is there, it would be awarded. Um, you know, I think that experience goes that way too. Uh, and then I'd go back to the force. Um, the forces controversy early in the season. This is how quickly you dispense with one set of memories when you have to start cramming <laughs> your head full of information with the, another. The, I can't. The force who was the man? Band. They're, they're a team based in Perth. They've been playing Super Rugby for about fifteen years now. <laughs> they beat so there, was, <laughs> there was mention when they. <laughs> Uh, when when their 10 was knocked out and no one saw it, apparently, um, there were nine different angles the TMO had to look at. So what we don't see, I guess, when we're in a um, when we're in decision like that, going back to this game at the weekend, um, what we saw, how many different angles did we see on the camera on the broadcast about three? I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I think three or four, I think, from memory. Were there, I don't know, were there others? I'm not on the beat. I didn't ask the question. Were there other angles they, they were privy to? Yeah, it was it was tough because it was goal, it was try line and they had repetitive yeah. penalties. And what they had was people flooding the zone every single play. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Luke was doing the right thing. But every other body was also piling in. So it was difficult to find any unshielded camera angle. I think they had other angles, but I just don't think any of them mattered. They were the best that we the best right. we were yeah. shown the yeah. best, right? right. And, and we and we did hear Brett Cronin say that this is going to be the best angle. This is the one that shows the ball going going down, and mm. it's it's actually for for me. Yeah, and I haven't actually good. heard it said anywhere yet. This is actually one of those cases where both players will feel they were right. I've got no doubt Artie mm. Sabaya thinks he got the ball down, and he. He will have felt like the ball was on something solid. Equally, Luke Ryman knows he had his hand under it. They're, both of those could be true. Yeah, it's 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 one of it's one of those cases. Both of those can be true, and it's a matter. It's going to be a matter of what the the referee yeah. sees in that moment. In in the moment, calling it on air as as he's gone down low. I thought he's got this down. He sent it upstairs, and he said Nick Berry said. I've got no try. My first words on air were, I've got a bad feeling about this, Brumbies fans. Because I, at that point, hadn't seen Luke, what Luke Reimer had done. It was only after I got home and watched the replay a dozen times that I actually saw how much work Luke Reimer did to, to actually get his hand down and unlit the ball, which was an incredible play in that moment. Yeah, and maybe, maybe we're overcomplicating. I mean, Nick, yeah. there was no equivocation. He said, I've got no try. And I understand that Artie yeah. Savia says he reckons he, I mean, you've got an arm and you've got the balance of a ball over the yeah. arm, maybe the end of a ball touched with a blade of grass, in which case it's a try. So it's, mm. but, uh, you know, I just think we, you know, you, you go with you go with what was given and I respect Barry's um, professionalism in that, in that circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, doctrinally, I think we want the ref to always be um, the final officiator, the most important officiator. And so to me, in some ways, I like the, uh, I think it's the NBA that they just have the vision available for the refs, but the refs still make the call. And so yeah. to me, in those situations, it's like, hey, Nick, you weren't there. You couldn't see it. You know that. So here's the vision. Just say nothing until you until you look at it. Because yeah. I think it might have informed him that it was highly unlikely that anyone could keep that ball off the grass for, you know, three or four seconds. I mean, you could do it for one mm. roll, but it's, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Ari knows how to make it touch the turf. Um, <laughs> but you're not going to see it, so you have to score photogenic tries now. And it's all about photogenic yeah. tries and then supersonic TMOs, except sometimes TMOs take five minutes. Like you said, Brett, one recently, it was a game that was already done, and they sat around looking yes. at it. What do we want? Do we want quick TMOs? Or, yeah. do we, or do we want the ref to be in charge? And I'm kind of thinking ref in charge or a bunker, but nothing in between because the in between is killing all of us. Mm. I think the big point that the, the, the common element that I'm getting out of all this over the last couple of days is that everyone wants the right decision unless it goes against their team. 
<laughs> that's, no, I don't know. That's no, what it comes no, to. I, I think that's shortchanging us rugby fans, and now yeah. I can say I'm a rugby fan. Um, we just want the right decision. That's all I yeah. want. Uh, and I think no, it was extraordinarily it. hard to to figure out what the right decision was. And I think that's yeah. kind of where where you know that's end story. Um, yeah. I still blame Jordy. I still blame Jordy because he could have made the whole thing yeah. go away. That's that's the thing. That's that's. That's the th- that's the thing, and that and that's and that's got to be the thing. Well, it's well, it's not, but it's not the thing. I mean, it's the convenient thing if you're a Brumbies fan, um, or if you're a self self flagellating um, Hurricanes fan. But that happens all the time. It, yeah. You know, it's, Let's it's talk the about last bad play before your next great topic. thing. Self flagellation. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Um, but I, I will also. I reckon. I think we also need to talk about. A small degree of Schadenfreude. Mm. Most Australian rugby fans might be feeling if they're not Brumbies fans mm-hmm. um, to to see some whinging about uh, from New Zealand elements <laughs> about never yeah, getting the rub yeah. of the green. Well, and, and I had to laugh when when one part of the argument moved away from whether the ball was down or not and they actually started looking at whether Luke Ryan was onside or not. And I thought if you're, <laughs> if you're already if your already debatable argument is moving on to an even more debatable argument, you may, your argument maybe isn't as good as you thought it was. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, and after, after 20, I mean, 20 years or more of the 50-50s, never going Australia's way or an Australian team's way in New Zealand or against the All Blacks anywhere, home, yeah. neutral or away. Mm. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I thought, no, I thought I'm, there was I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm fine. <laughs> and I thought there was some uh, serendipity in a way. There you go. With serendipity Barrett. and schadenfreude. In I know. Are we having a big word? I'll be out with yeah. big I got my big word book ready. Um, no, so Jordy Barrett was the one who scored in Blood is Flow 2, right, a year ago. So it was kind of fun to yep. see him denied in a way. And then I thought the roar that the Lord Fisher had at the end, which I captured and tweeted yes, out, it was, was so – it was part of that too was the rub of the green. And I think every good rugby man in that stadium would go, yeah, we got, we got one there. And so it was not just about, like, righteous victory. It was also like, wow – Decades and decades of inequity. There is a rugby god. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right, exactly right. No, it was, it was. Look, it's going to be debated for. I'm sure there's another week in it yet. Um, if the if the Brumbies happen to go on from here, this there'll be debate about this for weeks. This could go on for. Forever. Luke Mar- Luke is Maradona then. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, hand, <laughs> the hand of God. The hand of God. In the end, did we get the semifinals we expected? Yeah. Yeah. Feels like it. Best teams are in the comp. Yeah. I I really wanted a six an upside an upset out of six, seven, or eight. I was absolutely up for that for the weekend. I just thought it would have just shaken up the competition completely if one of six, seventh, eighth wins. And, I mean, in the end, the Waratahs and the Drua got completely blown away. So it was coming down to Queensland, who were eighth, who came into the into the quarterfinals with three straight losses and probably looked most unlikely, but they went the closest. So ultimately, though, we get the we get the, the, four, the two semifinals we wanted. Yeah, and two things on the Reds. Mm. They didn't play well enough. They don't deserve a, they don't deserve no. a semifinal spot. And... Um, you know, anyone who can anyone who can win a quarter deserves a semi-final spot, right? That's actually yep. the the bottom line. But if I take it back, they were not a great team this season. No. Um, and and the other thing of it is, uh, you know what it does spare me, which I hate actually probably more than not having them in, is having to choose a side next week if it's Brumbies Reds. Yeah, yeah, true. And I feel like that, like ca- that's cannibalising Australian rugby. <laughs> um, I've, I've, yeah. I've sat through a couple of those and I find them really difficult. I'd actually rather we just have one one horse to back, yeah. one to get behind, one bandwagon to leap on top of. Well, similarly, last last week there was a little bit of talk that um, the, the Brumbies finishing third would actually benefit the Waratahs because, you know, they only have to go to, down to Canberra instead of going out of New Zealand. It's like, hang on, no, we don't want 
Australian teams knocking each other out? Surely not. That's not yeah. Harry how these things should work. Surely. Well, yeah, that's true. But in a very in a very healthy club comp, you like Leinster hates Munster more than they hate a French team. So, like mm. in some ways, you can get to where you're not as parochial. Uh, or even more parochial, um, and then you can really flagellate yourself every weekend. But um, but no, like I was looking at the at the game too and wondering about New Zealand. So I think yeah, New Zealand probably would would, would rue that that loss by the Hurricanes. But looking at their the different teams, they're all playing differently now. Like the Chiefs play really differently than than the Blues than the they Crusaders. kick the ball so much. The Chiefs. yeah, and I, I was I was thinking about it from an international standpoint that. I mean, Ian Foster might have some good problems here because there's a lot of different people to pick from. And then I started thinking about the Wallabies too and thinking, no, I think actually this weekend was good for Eddie. I think Eddie saw nice. maybe a few... Th I think there's some people on the edges that really stood up. I think Ned Hannigan, for example, yeah, really played like he justified his position in the in the pecking order. I think Harry Wilson is going to make him make Eddie have a tough call. Yep. Uh, and then Valentini, of course, was was great, so... Yeah, and and I think and I think Matt Matt Fessler, the Reds hooker. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Probably confirmed that form wise, he is probably first in line from the Australian rakes right at this point in time, and he's playing superbly well, Georgina. And Jack Debrasini, I think he deserves a special yes. shout out. Yeah, yeah. 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 So now, now he's Stephen if not Marcus the World Cup, have, certainly no. for one of the main players. He'll, he'll be there or thereabouts. He'll, mm. I don't know that he'll play Wallabies this year, but there's going to be an interesting conversation coming up for the Brumbies this week because Noel Lolaseo only passed his return to play protocols midweek. That was part of the reason he came off the bench. Debrasini then plays a man-of-the-match performance and was fantastic in, in that win. And then they're going to Hamilton where potentially it's going to be wet, and he's got one of the longest kicks in Australia against a Chiefs team who will kick the Gilbert off a ball if they can. There's got to be a hard decision coming up for the Brumbies there. Do they actually stick with Debrasini this week? Because I think he's actually made a pretty decent case for it. I would. I, th I think because Debra, I think Jack, um, he plays Kiwi ball. He understands it really well. He, he, he's played for the Chiefs. He's from there. He understands it. I think so. The Hurricanes beat. 30 defenders. So there were 30, uh, 30 Brumby tackles fallen off, right? So that's mm -hmm. that's the right there. You look at the Chiefs going, hmm. And I think part of that is um, sometimes you need to play in the right spots. And I think Jack has a better way of seeing that maybe. Um, yep. He looks like he has time on the ball. Um, some, of the, some of the feeds he made were unbelievable. And the things he saw were really good. So I, I would stick with the hot hand. That's what I would do. Mm. He threw that pass, Georgina, for Corey Tool's try last week against the Rebels. And, I mean, A, no one else in Australia other than Corey Tool is catching that pass. <laughs> but, B, I'm not too sure there's many other players in Australia throwing it. No. I like Jeff's characterisation on, on your website uh, at the weekend. You know, Larkham said, play like me. Yeah. And he goes and does it because I tell you what, if there's anything Australia needs, it's just, it's a yeah. 21st century Stevie Larkham, right? Yeah, and it's it's been it has been really interesting to watch the second coming of Jack Debrasini this year in person, and and he was and I've I've said it a few times, Harry. He was it was mentioned to me that they've they picked him up. I think he'll be a handy deputy, the perfect number twenty two sort of thing, yeah, covering right. and if, ten and fullback. But he has been so good for them this yeah. year. Yeah. And if Eddie wants to do a smash and grab job, which is what he keeps saying, I don't know who he's smashing and what he's grabbing, but um, it looks like to me if I was doing a bank robbery film, Jack Debrasini would be in my film because he looks like the guy, the shy guy, the quiet guy at the beginning, but then he ends up doing the amazing thing at the end. You know, like I'm not talking about uh, Stephen Donald, but I'm talking about a little bit of that kind of vibe where he's sheepish when they talk to him he's not puffed up he's not screaming anyone's name when he scores whatever he's just a guy who's plugging away and he's got he's, really good core skills he's Kaiser Sturzo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's where you're heading isn't it yeah exactly it's always the unsuspecting ones how georgina do the brumbies beat the chiefs on saturday in hamilton oh they have nerves of steel 
they ignore the bogans and the mullets in the stands because I've what I've really enjoyed about about the, the Chiefs crowd <laughs> is all the is all the pink stands. I covered um I covered the Waratahs. It was regular season, it wasn't a knockout, but it was what it was two thousand and it's two thousand and fourteen, the year the Tars won the title. Um, and it was actually in New Plymouth, it wasn't Hamilton. I've covered a match in Hamilton as well. Um, that was interesting. But but the cowbells, the cowbells are real and um, mm. they are cacophonous and uh, there's something you have to be really mindful of. Um, yeah, it's look, it's I think it's really tough, but I but I like what you said about the the reds handing them a little blueprint there. Yeah. Um, and I, what I, I I really like Larkham. I feel like he is um, ten times the coach he was when he left. Yeah, uh, he, he, he will agree. To, he would he would be the first to say that himself as well. Yeah, right. Self awareness right. too. I would I would go with equipment uh, equipment uh, changes. I would have a giant sheep mascot instead of Brumby <laughs> Jack. It would be Brumby Lamb, Brumby Mutton. <laughs> I would have to distract the Kiwis. I would have. Um, I would have giant gloves like Steve Larkham used to play with. Larkham had big giant yes, gloves, right? Yes. And I would have no, giant Luke, no, Luke you're thinking gloves. of Stealing Mortlock. No, Larkham, Mortlock, Matt, Matt Kiddo was a glove man. And, and Luke Reimer would have giant gloves, so his hand would, there's no way to score around him at all because it would cover <laughs> so much space. And uh, let's one of those see. big number one hands. Yeah, the 1980s <laughs> jerseys, massive, you know, so you can, like, mm. again, put your jersey under the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I went and looked up that photo uh, in your intro chat. I was listening, of course, and looked course. up the photo of Brumby Jack. Mate, if there is anything less intimidating than Brumby Jack <laughs> lurking outside your change room, I don't know what is. Oh, I felt for Devin Flanders because I can imagine there would have been a moment where he looked up and all he would have seen is, oh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'm just not expecting that. Yeah, he, he has goggly eyes, like one's going mm. one way and one's going the yeah. other. It's yeah. really yeah, you, uh, you couldn't Luckily, use that mask. You rely on having more than just Brumpy Jack. Sorry. If you were in Bloemfontein and you had a something like that, one of the guys would just knock him out. Like I, yeah. would, just have, I would just punch him with a face. Conor, Conor McGregor style yeah. on the. Yeah. On they'd, the they'd rip his head off. Yeah. They'd rip his head off. And just yeah, be well. horse head and bloodied in a bed. Speaking Brumpy. of Flanders, what kind of try was that? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I even seen something like that before. It was a try that was way too easy, and and I think. I think he got to the halfway point and thought, oh, I'm going to get run down here. Oh, I'm at the 22. Surely I'm going to get run down by now. Oh, I'm five out. And he went over untouched. He kept waiting to be tired. He was like, wait, am I tired yet? Am yeah. I tired? Uh, no, no. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he did. It was a strange It was a strange one, that one. It was a very strange try. But the Brumbies hit back shortly after that. And, and they, it was one thing they did do well last week was whenever the Chiefs did get a lead, they were always next to score and they were always next to to hit back and make sure they didn't have the lead for very long. So do you uh, see a, a low score, high score? What's what do you think is gonna happen in Hamilton? Um I if it's dry, I think it could be high scoring. But I think, I think it's, it's gonna score points. I, I I think if it's damp, it it might be, you know, two tries to one. Mm. I, I don't know. That's that's my that's my gut feeling. I mean, I think even dry nights in Hamilton end up wet anyway, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's your pod title along with. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've already I've already written down small degrees of Schadenfreude. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, Crusaders Blues in Christchurch. Do we do we see any great Auckland upset there? Well, I mean, the Crusaders look very ominous, but I would say this is one of the interesting things about this year is the replay of a year ago, like with the same four teams in the semis, yeah. correct? Yeah, and correct. Um, so, so many individual rivalries, so many uh, revenge stories, so many. I just think the coaching boxes are also really into it. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I'm just going to enjoy it. But I think if I was putting money, a lot of money down, I would go Crusaders. They're rounding into form. There's just something very ominous about how well they do the little things. Mm. And if I was to say one thing about the Australian teams, it was that I think the Australian teams this year did a lot of the the hard things well, but they sometimes fell down on the little things. And the Brumbies yeah. are in this because they do the small things well. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. That's probably their their big improvement. 
this year, despite the fact that they're def- not defending as well, and despite the fact they've conceded more points. I think you, I think you're probably right. It will be interesting the other, the other semi final because the Crusaders beat the Blues in Auckland to win it last year, Georgina, and now the Blues have the chance to do what no other team in the history of the universe has been able to do, and that is beat <laughs> the Crusaders in Christchurch in a final. Easy. Yeah. Four weeks ago, I was professionally required to care about um, an all New Zealand semi final. <laughs> right now. Oh, mate. I, I love I how quickly you've dropped out of this. This has been, I'm, I'm glad we got you on this week and didn't give it another fortnight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> Rugby on the Roar. Georgina, we have lost a, uh, a, a genuine doyen of Australian rugby journalism in, in Wayne Smith pass, passing so suddenly, so shockingly uh, early last week. It's how you're coming on nearly a week later now, how you're processing it. Um, it's, it's still hard to believe. I had a moment of sadness at the weekend. I, I read Gideon Haig's piece on Smithy. I'm pretty sure I can never imagine Gideon's, Gideon Haig calling Wayne Smith Smithy. I'm sure it was always <laughs> Wayne. Yeah. Wayne. I've sat I've sat with uh, Gideon on a number of occasions on the ABC's Offsiders couch, so I feel like I can make that assumption about his about his choice of nickname. Um, but he mentioned the the Manning Clark story uh, that that Smithy had covered because Smithy in amongst a few decades dominating sports journalism. He also did investigations uh, mm. and sort of edited as well, uh, and was an, was a formidable journalist. Uh, and Smithy, um, immediately after that, reading that column, wanted to call, like sort of went to call Smithy about yeah, right. tell me tell me the Manning Clark story again. Yeah. Because at a lunch I was at with him two weeks ago in Brisbane, he actually just got started talking about that story, volunteered it uh, and what it was like to cover it. Um, and so I, you know, read Gideon and I was like, oh, got to, got to ask Smithy and literally went to pick up the phone and then, you know, yeah, it hits you right. a ton of bricks that can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm really, really sad. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. way too early. And what I'm sad about is the corporate memory or journalism's version of corporate memory that's just gone all the information in his brain all the Mm. knowledge australian sport Mm. um, all the eyewitness accounts all of the conversations Mm. um, all of the context gone Yeah. That's, that's really tragic for, for for sports journalism in australia and i'm actually if i could make one more comment mm-hmm. um i think it's really sad for rugby and i i tweeted that so i don't want to go on about it but i feel like there are very few senior voices yeah left in the game um in it, mainstream it, media and i think the game needs champions yeah, and it really it, lacks some, and I think that's a like that's a that's a real threat to yeah. rugby Australia. It, it 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 feels like we lost the last one. It 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 really does. And I was talking to, to Jim Tucker over the weekend, Harry, and one of the photos that's done the rounds again over this last week, um, just as it did in twenty eighteen. Oh, oh, sorry, um, when when Greg Groudon passed uh, a few years ago, was a picture of Jim Tucker. And Wayne Smith and Greg Groudon and Gordon Bray at the old Sydney football stadium. It was marking, they were recognized for having covered the first and last test at the at the new football stadium, um, or the, the now replaced football stadium. And that photo has now done the rounds again. And suddenly you realize that two of those guys have passed, and they were two very, very, very good rugby columnists that we've now lost and haven't been replaced. And that's Sad yeah. part that Georgine is getting at too. Yeah, I'm very sorry for uh, his family because it was it sounded like a horribly untimely loss. Mm. It's never the right time to lose anyone you love, but it's obviously this was shocking the way it happened, uh, more than than usual. The other thing is, I read a lot about him, and I kept hearing the same two or three concepts or words. One was decent, yeah, which in a in a world of self promotion, of which I'm certainly guilty of. But even the leaders in some of our rugby spheres are, you know, really puffed up, you know, 
character is almost bigger than life. It seemed yeah. like he was happy to be um, the guy doing his craft very well, plugging away. Second, I kept hearing mentor, helping, time for. Yeah. I think that's something that Georgina was picking up on as well. And I think you did too, Brett. The idea that he, he loved to help. And I think that's the part that I probably you're describing. There will be someone else who writes, right? It's But is someone going to be as generous yeah. and have time for you and say, this is the most important thing on a, handling a source and this is the ethics and whatever. And I think ethics is difficult in uh, you guy profession because I think there's a lot of um, double talk about sources and, and everything. I think he seemed to have a really clear true north. So you know, yeah, we're gonna miss him and we need someone else to step up. That's the really thing. Yeah. So who did he mentor? Who Who's gonna say, I will do this the way Wayne would have done it? Well, you can, you'll be able to talk to that, George, because he obviously he was a Sydney Morning Herald colleague the last few years, but you're a young journo in Brisbane when you first come through. So your, your Wayne Smith experience would be a hell of a lot more interpersonal than, than anything we're gonna come up with. We were we were fierce rivals. Yeah. When he was at the Oz, yeah. Like fierce rivals. Um, he was part. He was the old guard. Yeah. And um, and when I came through, so I was in Sydney the whole time. So I never. I was just a news reporter when I started in journalism in Brisbane. So never really knew Smithy, and only right. came to know him as a rival. And then I tour with him, um, and it was I was telling someone. Um, over the weekend that it was the worst possible outcome to be sat next to Smithy uh, at a tour dinner because he'd spend four hours either talking about Queensland rugby in the 70s, 80s and 90s or <laughs> military history. Yeah, right. Uh, and I know that's why, I mean, that, that's actually, you know, it often starts column with a Napoleonic reference yes. or uh, a reference to a famous World, one, World War One battle. <laughs> Uh, and, and and his and his readers loved him for that stuff, and that's mm. I guess what what's gone now forever. Um, yeah. But but we were fierce rivals, and um, and then you know I think I think he mellowed a lot. Like the Smithy I grew up um, trying to beat uh, was um, a competitive animal, mm. uh, and was. Yeah, just hugely driven, and um, and he definitely and and I, you know, he did mentor people his whole career. But um, you basically watched and learned. You watched when you were beaten, yeah. uh, and you learned from him in those yeah. four hours talking about military history. But um, then when then when he was a Sydney Morning Herald writer, that's probably when. Uh, and I, no, I think towards the, the back end of um, writing rugby for the Australian when. The Australian was kind of cooling down its rugby coverage uh, yeah. and a lot of senior sports writers were leaving the Australian. There were lots of redundancies. Uh, I think that's that kind of is when my personal relationship with him developed more mm. and that was off the basis of mutual respect. Um, so, yeah, a really, really special guy. But there are definitely really talented journalists. Um, I think Ian Payton um, yeah. at the Sydney Morning Herald is is one of those blokes who will step up, I hope, yeah. um, because he has that breadth of knowledge and experience that that um, the the games fans need. Yeah, well, they're probably has they're probably now among the the active rugby writers slash journo's in Australia now. They're, there, there, there isn't anyone that's been covering the game as long now as Pato. Um, no. And, and he would hate that we're speaking of him in these terms because we're making him sound like he's 60 <laughs> um, when he's really only late 50s, aren't you, Pato? Uh, but, um, but, yeah, he has it's, the, a, he it's, has the it's a really interesting point. He has the yeah, he does. And he, as he, as he travelled uh, a year ago to Argentina all alone, as Georgina was was, was crying for him, <laughs> he said, "I'm all alone here in Argentina." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that nah, it's a, it's I, a yeah. good show. I think the games really what the game what the games fans are really well served by is analysis. There are a number yeah. of really strong analysts of the game. True, um, and yeah. That's that's yeah. that's well covered, and, but but that kind of beat reporting, and you know, like when you've seen six or seven different Wallabies coaches, six or seven different Rugby Australia chairmen mm. and CEOs, and iterations of the board, and then you've seen the same, you know, iterations 
across the Super Rugby franchises, um, I guess that's when you can. That's when you kind of learn what's a story, what's not, and um, and I think yeah, and, and yeah, when a big and, story breaks, you have the context to yeah to enlighten your readers or help them understand yeah. why this is important or why this isn't or right. you know I think that's that's knowing, what um, is really important. Knowing, 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 uh, knowing when to write and when to hold off too. Right when oh. yeah. Uh, with, uh, with Georgina, do you think that Hamish's um, McLennan's uh, persona, his psychology, is that a story for Australian rugby? Is that been oversold? Maybe he's just playing a part uh, and the board wants him to do this? Or do you think that he's kind of like he's just got a really oversized ego and this is going to be problems? Or is that what they want from him to just keep pushing on the Kiwis? Um. I would say that having seen a number of boards and a number of chairmen and CEOs, he is the first one I've reported on who is not only interested in changing the game here but is prepared to do yeah. it. Yeah. And whatever comes and equipped with perhaps the ego, the crash or crash through, the mm -hmm. break a few Gregs to make a Tomlet kind of drive um, to make it happen. Um, mm. I think he's. I think this is a really interesting juncture for him. Um, you know, the whole private equity concept has not faced any scrutiny at all. Um, whether it's good for Australian rugby, whether it's not, or not any, but very little scrutiny. Um, so he's had a pretty easy ride on that front. And, you know, I was certainly have been, I, I could have pitched those stories. Um, there always were more, there were always more pressing stories to write before we kind of, I always felt like we had time to get into that. But now it's kind of upon us. Um, and I do feel like he probably, you know, I think I think Phil War's appointment um, within rugby was controversial, um, and he's definitely just used uh, used his political capital, the capital he's amassed so far, justifiably to push that appointment through. Mm -hmm. I note that he. I note that he says that it was a unanimous decision by the board. That's. I, 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 I'm not quibbling. Smart, I'm not quibbling smart with board. that. Smart board. Yeah. Um, so oh, I we totally he, agree. <laughs> I I think he needs to make sure um, there are people still with him, yeah. and that he make, needs to make sure because a bit like Eddie, he moves at such a rapid pace with such conviction. He needs to make sure that he brings all us Luddites along for the ride occasionally. Yeah. The thing I wonder about Hamish McLennan is at which point is someone going to call his bluff and, and and will he be prepared to go through with what he's threatened? He would absolutely go through with what he threatens. Mm. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Has, does, has Hamish allowed Eddie? Has Hamish ha Hamish's persona has that allowed Eddie to be more mellow, more friendly, more approachable? In a way, it can play off each other, you know. I think it's just given him the absolute confidence um, to yeah, that's a good point. Operate to operate um, full steam ahead. Uh, yeah. Now, listen. We're less than a month from his first test. It, it has been an extraordinary long and positive honeymoon um, for Eddie. And, I, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what happens if there's a few losses uh, before mm. the World Cup. But I I just think they're really, I think they kind of get each other on a, on a kind of a, on a cellular level, like I think they recognise a bit of sameness in each other. And, again, yeah. I think that's where you need to be careful then that you have uh, other personalities and you and you allow a foil in your organisation. Yeah. Um, that it's not just the two animals in the in the room kind of going hard yeah. at it. Um, yeah, because he, he could have done the Andy Marinos thing better and differently. There was no need to... 
retrospectively say all the things they disagreed on. Uh, and, and who knows, Andy might have been right anyway. anyway. But I think um, the danger has always been, is there a counterbalancing voice that they respect, that they go, we're not going to do something because it's too much money or it's not right. And mm -hmm. they go, okay, we won't. It seems like they're always go, go, go. However, I would say this, it seems to me that Eddie has really focused on the, um, you know, schools, rugby and local. And I think that's partly because Hamish is taking on the, you know, like in England, Eddie had to do it all everything. He was he was yes. everything. Yes, he um, was. He yeah. was the face. He was yeah. the face of the RFU. Yes, right. Now he can he can focus on the rugby side of things because he's got a chairman taking the corporate bullets. Do you do you guys think Eddie thinks that that the Wallabies can win the World Cup? I mean, really? Like, or is he kind of playing for semifinals? I I think he would say they can. Whether he thinks it, I think he will keep very very close to himself <laughs> and i think he would say it because he has to right I mean, every every coach is going to say that aren't they i think he probably wants to see one like to georgina's point i think he wants to really see something in the first couple yeah. of tests yeah, yeah. or is, or i think it's going to be tough sled yeah i think yeah, i think he um I'm, i don't want to put words in his mouth but i from what i've heard him say and just looking at the situation, the whole the whole way he's framed it, the smash and grab, which yeah. Harry clearly refers to a trophy cabinet, smashing it and grabbing the silverware. You did ask mm. the question what that meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that um, I think that his whole premise is if we make the semis, we're in with a chance. Yeah. Or if we make yeah. the quarters, we're in for the, we're in with a chance. Um I think maybe with more time, I reckon he's looked at the at the popular at the players and said, you know, we've got the makings of a of a, of a team um, hmm. that can be there at the pointy and deserves to be. But I think at the moment it'll be maximising what he's got, um, and um, and hoping that you can win three in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get to that point, that's all it needs. It's been wonderful, Georgina, to, to speak with you again. We've got a heap of things I was going to we we're going to bring up and talk to you about, but we've gone in all sorts of directions that I wasn't initially expecting. But it's been a great chat, as always. It's been so lovely to have you back on. Uh, I'm glad that you haven't completely forgotten about everything yet. And look, future appearances will be pending on you know what sort of rugby expertise you can show over the next, over the coming coming months and weeks. <laughs> Fair enough. I've had my time in the sun. <laughs> thanks so much um enjoy thanks, enjoy time behind things enjoy watching rugby with the feet up and not taking notes up the mighty brumbies thanks to you rob it was like a rugby poem <laughs> <laughs> the roar harry fantastic to have georgina robinson on again always a good chat uh we genuinely have got half of what we're going to get into that we just didn't get into um and that's always a sign of a pretty good chat i think i love georgina and i just think she's brilliant and how she um comes at me with these wonderful little like uh subtle insults I yes love i'm there for it yes and for our listeners benefits um <laughs> after we stopped recording with georgina she has left harry with i would just say a brutal takedown of his photography ability and particularly his well, I won't say selfies because clearly they're staged with a photographer and a lighting crew, but there has been a brutal takedown that has that has it's it's put out it's put my humble co-host on the back foot. Let me yeah, let me it's, tell, it, it, about that. it's caused me to do some humble self-reflection for yes, three yes. minutes. Self-reflection, of course, being part of the problem in uh, in your in, in, in your in your picturing. Uh, the French top fourteen finals um, were on the, over the weekend. The semi-finals that was, and I think they've gone pretty much to type. Toulouse beat Racing forty-one fourteen uh, on Saturday. La Rochelle beat Bordeaux twenty-four thirteen on Sunday. So they will meet. Um, on Sunday Australian time uh, in Paris. Yeah, I believe it's in Paris. Yeah. Yes, and, uh, just right. shout out to the Macmillans, uh, Graham and Maz. Sorry for your Bordeaux loss, but uh, 
what a wonderful scene 72,000 people watching these matches each yeah yeah no it'd be it'd be fantastic actually to, to, to try and to try and catch that uh, that final next weekend super rugby pacific semi-finals as we mentioned the crusaders hosting the blues in christchurch on friday night the chiefs hosting the brumbies in hamilton on saturday night on the tipping front mate i've Managed to pull back uh, another point to, to do it to our mate Digger, who is leading it. I'm only trailing it by four. Um, I got four on the weekend. You had three, so our gap is back out to seven. I'm feeling pretty confident that you're not going to catch me now. No, I won't catch you. But So are you mathematically out on Digger as well? Is Digger the track? I don't think I can catch him because we've only yeah. got three games now. So I think he's officially has won it. Digger fired his no. daughter. I mean, like that's ridiculous. Like, I, I cannot believe someone actually announced that in public. Digger Digger outsourced uh, his tips to his daughter one week, and because she didn't get a perfect perfect round, uh, he fired her, which Axel. seemed brutal. Boom. Seemed brutal. Yeah. Um, bit of news going around over the last uh, seven days or so. But talk to me about Johnny Sexton. What's happened there? This is the fallout from the Champions Cup final. Yeah, so there was uh, altercations. One of them has been cleared in the investigation. The uh, Halftime door was guarded by Sean O'Brien. That's nothing, you know, nothing to see here. Move on. The problem is post match, there was um, an audio and video altercation which has been deemed to be worthy of investigation further. Like an actual case has been opened, and Johnny mm. has gotten the letter. Now, this is ordinarily not that big a deal in a normal year, but depending on how many games it's factored in and it's not like Leinster can create maybe, you know, enough games to have, for him to play. Are Leinster about to announce a four game tour? <laughs> <laughs> so when you factor in like that he's one of the world's best players, one of the most world's most important players and the most instrumental for the number one ranked team in the world, yes. you would say this is a story worth following. No prejudgment. Um, people do say things in the heat of the moment, but there is something about the interaction that has bothered the powers that be and he has gotten the official letter. Right, right. Sounds like you might be getting a phone call. You've got another client on your hands <laughs> right there. Uh, there was some not great news last Wednesday. London Irish were suspended by the RFU and won't participate in any league next year. They owe about £250,000 in wages and other unpaid That's bills. It's, it's, it's absolutely terrible. So they're the... The third club um, to have been wound up um, since October following Worcester and Wasps. It's just not a great situation. Similarly, Grenoble um, are in France, have been relegated to the third tier of their, their structure and given a six-point deduction next season for financial reasons. There's an appeal going on there, so that might have a little bit more to play out there. Um, former Hurricanes and Leicester Tigers fly-off half Jimmy Gopeth has signed with Prodeteur side province to continue his incredible career, he will turn 40 in the next month or two. Legend. Has played for Wellington, North Harbour, the Blues, Newcastle, Leinster, Wasps uh, and, Hur and the Hurricanes and, uh, and Leicester Tigers obviously was released by by Leicester last month. Uh, incredible that he's still going on. Like it, it feels like 20 years ago he was running around Super Rugby and that's probably because of what. Yeah. <laughs> it's a journey, same. man. It's the journey, yeah, man, not the exactly right. Uh, uh Colby has yeah, so confirmed he's on his way to Japan. I wanted to say something about Russell Forbes, the stat man, the stat artist. Yeah. He's taken everything, every point Jimmy Gopreth ever scored and put it into this brilliant, beautiful. Oh, I display. saw that. Take a look I at saw that. that. Yeah, and 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 Russell has actually done up a a series of charts about the 12 Super Rugby Pacific teams, sort of beautiful. highlighting their strengths and weaknesses, and it is it's in, it's in, actually it, it's genuinely incredible to see the differences the, and the characteristics of each team illustrated like that. Mm. So, so keep an eye on that if you can. James Slipper re-signed with Rugby Australia uh, and the Brumbies for another two years on Fridays. That'll take him through to the 2025 uh, season, which is obviously a Lions series. And one of the big things he said on Friday was that he enjoyed the Lions series in 2013 so much that he just absolutely wants it. He's hoping his best years are in front of him. South African-born five-test Irish lock John Klain looks set to switch allegiance after being included in the box rugby championship training squad. Uh, played five tests for Ireland on residency grounds, including the 2019 World Cup. Hasn't played, though, since the 2026 Nations. Rassi's named him. 
paperwork's pending very much like Christian Lilifano's switch to uh, to Samoa as well. So you're very happy about this. Yes, because it's an ultimate Irish info hack. Jean Klein knows every single lineup permutation yes. and knows the insides and outs. I think it's brilliant. He's he's been in Irish squads this year. Yes, he's been in squads. Yes. He hasn't gone out there and, and played, but he's been in all the greater squads. He knows the monster back and forth. He knows, you know, he, he knows a lot. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And then, speaking of London Irish, former Wallabies lock Adam Coleman looks like he'll be the first player from the Exiles to secure a new team. There was reports out of France over the weekend that he has reached an agreement to join top fourteen semi-finalist Bordeaux. Uh, and I suspect that there'll be well and truly more. I know Bath has been linked to about four players, including Harry Arundel as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, watch, watch how, watch how that is that plays out now. But mate, I think that is us done for episode sixty-six of the Raw Rugby Podcast. Uh, don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials, and please do, if you can, leave a rating or a review if it allows it. As Bruce and Sharon did on Apple Podcasts last week, who simply just said, love the Raw Rugby Podcast, listen whenever I can. Well, hopefully, Bruce, that is, and Sharon, that's every week, obviously. Uh, like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice, and you'll guarantee that you see every episode as soon as it goes live, and that will be important as we get closer to the international season and instant reactions and things like that. So so hit the like button if you can. We podcast with me, Brett McKay and Harry Jones, every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, home of all your favourite rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Come play with us.